With ever more aware and conscious populations, some companies are adapting to changing customer needs and desires and others are struggling to keep up with what people really want. How can companies not only stay on top of changing needs, but be malleable enough to be able to pivot rapidly when direction of desire switches? Changemakers podcast. I'm Becca Duncan. I'm a changemaker and I'm joined by my colleague Tom Silver. In our podcast, you'll find us commenting on a world of change and transformation and discussing how organizations, large and small, embed successful and long lasting results. So today we're talking about Keeping up with the vegans. Keeping up with the vegans. Wow, where did you get that title from? <laughs> I know, so original. <laughs> well, this is this is in reference to Burger King, isn't it? So mm-hmm. they've um, released their new vegan Impossible Burger, catering to the rise of veganism. So I think in 2014, there was a study that said that about 3,000 people did, is it Veganuary? Vegan January? Vegan January, Uh uh-huh. And it went up to something like nearly 170,000 people in 2018. Incredible. It's a big rise, isn't it? So when customer needs change, how do companies keep up? What Burger King have shown us is they have a culture of agility, of embracing new ideas and pivoting when the customer needs changed. As you said, the rise of veganism in the UK has been pretty profound over the past few years and Burger King have been really good at responding to that change and to what customers want. So my question is why are some companies like Burger King so good at doing this and where do other companies who are maybe late to the party not pivoting in response? And where else have you seen this happen Tom? Well, Maybe if I just ask you a question so what does pivoting mean? Pivoting is when companies change their strategic direction often in response to changing needs but it could be their own internal analysis and what they've looked at from the inside and then pushing that out onto their customers. So is that what we mean by agility? Agility is something that companies need in addition to being able to pivot. So you could pivot, but if it takes you five years, who's going to be around and who's really going to buy into it when it's taking you that long, right? But if you can do it on the spot and you can do it, if you can push out a new change, you know, make that pivot and make it quickly. So we're going to talk through a few examples, aren't we, of where companies seem to be using agility to, to pivot to customer needs. The first one that I'm going to talk about is Lush. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've definitely experienced this myself where I'm looking now as a consumer not for things to buy and products necessarily, but I'm looking more for experiences. And I recently was in uh, Liverpool. I walked past um, a Lush store there, which is absolutely massive. I think it goes across a number of floors and they do treatments and it's just very different from what I've seen from Lush historically where they seem to be really getting on with this idea of providing experiences in the store but also through things like treatment. Yeah and that's really a response to the changing desires from one generation to the next of wanting experiences rather than just stuff and it kind of links into something else that Lush are really good at doing right which is this plastic free movement and they've actually just brought out an entire plastic free shower range. Wow. Yeah, so Lush is definitely a great example of a company that's that's not only pivoting, but being agile about how it does it as well. And there's quite a few companies as well that have been quite 
quick to change the straws that they use. You know, like McDonald's are using paper straws now rather than plastic straws, that type of thing. Yeah, that's a great example. And if we stick with the high street, I mean, think about M&S. So that, when we were growing up, was probably something that most people considered going to for their fashion items. Yeah, the, the basics, which I guess some people still do. You know, those basics that you go and buy, like underwear, people want to go to Marks and Spencers for that, don't they? Yeah, and they still have that. And, you st- and that's a great way of them building on that trusted brand that they've had and they've had for many years. But what they've also done in the past couple of years is they've shifted from fashion and they've grown their food industry, their food market. So M&S do this really well because they haven't just put more food stores out onto the high streets, but they've put smaller ones in strategic locations. They're really catering to the convenience factor that yeah. people want. Yeah, that kind of... you pick something up on the way home rather than you do your big weekly shop they've really targeted that that market and now they're they're synonymous for luxury food you always go to your M&S before Christmas to buy like the special hot bits don't you <laughs> my family certainly does and I guess you've got uh, another great example Greg's from the high street we seem to be talking a lot about food but um their vegan sausage rolls bestseller driving 58% bump in profits in the first half of 2019, oh, I think. Gosh. Best ever sales growth. You know, they, <laughs> they're really keeping up with the vegans as well, aren't they? They are. And so we have all these companies that are pivoting on the traditional offerings that they give. So, Tom, where do you see that the other other companies have an opportunity? When we were discussing this podcast, we were, we were talking about, you know, there are those great examples where companies are pivoting to keep up with customer needs, but there's some really untapped opportunities out there and some companies that, you know, are are great staples that we're all used to, but could be moving in a very different direction. The one that I always talk about is Royal Mail. Mm. So I think that kind of traditional, you pop a letter in the post, it gets delivered to your door a couple of days later. There's, there's, there's some stuff wrong with that model for me. You know, that, that model works on their timescales, not when you want something to be delivered, not when you want your letter to be delivered. But And I think you've got other players, uh, not necessarily for letters, but for distributing packages and stuff that you buy online. You know, there's a massive trend, not recently, but for years now of online shopping. And you've seen lots of players come into the to that market of distributing your goods really quickly and Amazon Prime doing this really, really well. Royal Mail don't seem to be offering you know, much in that space. They don't seem to be keeping up with what we what we really need. And, you know, could we be looking at some really tough times ahead when all of our letters, for example, become electronic? Yeah. I mean, I know, for example, I do all of my banking online nowadays. I have an app. I go in. I check my statements. I make any payments I need to make. I do my bills online. That's a great example of a company that's possibly got an untapped market that they could be moving into. What other sort of traditional models do you see that that could be keeping up a little bit better? Yeah, so I think that the gym subscription model, I think that could that is being disrupted and I think that there is an opportunity for gyms to pivot there. If we take big gym brands like Virgin or even Pure Gym, um, although we'll come back to that in just a second, they have these subscription models where you pay, you pay month on month on month and you often sign up for multiple months at a time. But then we've got new players 
such as One Rebel, Barry's Boot Camp, Cycle. There's a class pass where people can just go along as and when they want to. Pure Gym's a great example of a gym that's pivoting on this because they've scrapped sign-up fees and they have reduced the rates that you pay if you want to go month on month. But there's still about 9.7 million, I read in a study recently, of people in the UK are members of gyms Mm -hmm. and about 6.5 million of them go to at least two fitness classes a month. So there, yeah. there's really a high demand for classes and gyms are still offering traditional subscription models. And But you, you, you do see, you know, that playing out slightly differently. I know I, I work away from London quite a bit of the week and I've joined a gym in, in a different part of the country and I can use their facilities in London, which is great, but it's a kind of month to month subscription. I don't have to sign up for the whole year like you used to, but still don't feel like I'm getting the value that I would be getting if I'm paying as I go for a for a class, for example, that gives me that flexibility. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how these companies maybe move into that opportunity or if the new players are going to take more of the market. Given that we both live in London, we were talking about Transport for London, weren't we? And um, how, you know, we think they could be keeping up a little bit more. Yeah, now that's an interesting one because TfL have reams of data about where people are travelling to and from every day. And yet it's these companies like Uber, CityMapper and Lime who are leading the way with CityMapper have this uh, this bus, this sort of taxi that they, they offer that's actually a car and you take it from one place to another and that's based on where people travel to and from frequently to save people money so that they can share a ride, save money, but still get from A to B in relative, you know, in comfort. And then if we look at the electric bikes, we've had the uh, the cycles out in London for a long time that you could hire at, the, at different points uh, across the city. But it's Uber who have come out with electric bikes and Lime have come out with electric bikes. They've integrated them into apps. You can open up Google Maps or City Map or any other app really and see exactly where certain modes of transportation are. And TFL really haven't taken that market on. It's other companies who have come in, used the model that they use in other cities and managed to spread it across. But you, you do have Boris bikes or the Santander bikes, don't you? But I guess what you're saying is they're not using the data or are they using the data to work out where should you position them? Um, how often are people using them? How, how could they introduce what Uber have done and have kind of the electric assisted bikes, that type of thing? Yeah. And Dockerless too, which I think is a real improvement on what TfL had issued before where you have to find a space. And if all the docks are used too bad, buddy, you've got to pay a bit more and go further. Yeah. But dockerless bikes, I mean, you can, as long as it's parked safely, you're set to go. What is it about these companies that allows them to change so quickly? I think one thing that we can look to, and I know that we've seen this across a number of our, our clients, but also just in our own experience of working in different places and, and just reading the news, is that companies that foster an open culture, who encourage diversity and variety of opinion, do really well at pushing new ideas through. Yeah, it helps that innovation, doesn't it? If you've got lots of people around the table and lots of people in that meeting room and everyone has a voice, you get to those better ideas and, and importantly, you get to represent better who your customers might be as well. Yeah, and another point is around agility. So if you can harness a rigid but minimal governance structure, this allows new ideas to be constantly developed, tested and fed back on easily. It's something that we can learn from the agile methodology that BGSS uses a lot of the time as all companies. It's, it's a staple across the IT community. But this minimal governance structure that allows collaboration, allows quick testing, new development, a lot of feedback is a fantastic way for companies to 
really harness the talent and the ideas that they already have in their organizations. Yeah, and expanding it out, not just within development of IT solutions, but across your business to really keep up. So it's interesting to me to think about rather than keeping up with customer needs, how do you shape them? And a good example here is Netflix. They've shaped how we watch TV, how we consume programs, and their example is now being copied by all of their competitors. What do we think about that? How do how do companies shape consumer needs? Yeah, so one way that Netflix did very well is they capitalized on what was fast moving onto a, an online business and, and the video service that was rapidly evolving. They really capitalized on it. And what they did there is they spotted a micro trend and they anticipated what was coming next. Exactly. So electric vehicles, for example, by 2040, the government has said they want to stop the sale of brand new diesel and petrol cars. Um, And that's an impact not just on oil and gas industries, but think about all the stores we were mentioning, like M&S, that have set up in those petrol stations. They they want that convenience market, but people aren't going to be using petrol stations in the in the same way. They're going to be using them very differently. So it's how do you anticipate some of those consumer needs before your consumers even realise that they're going to change their habits? Yeah. And how do you think that companies can use the resources that they have in order to spot the micro trends and anticipate what is coming next? I guess a way to keep ahead of what your customers really want is to use those teams that are focused on innovation to test and explore those new ideas. Don't wait for research to tell you or don't wait for the trend to happen. Go out and test that. Go out and bring something quite quickly to the market. That speaks to our agility point as well, doesn't it? And then try and spot what those trends could be, you know, be at the forefront of that. And I think a great way of doing this, and and if we look at Uber and how they've diversified the offerings that they have, they're really focused on giving the market convenience. They spotted what is actually a macro trend, which is people wanting convenience. And then they just focused in on micro trends that allowed them to get there. So having that, focusing on what their goal was, on that allowing customers to have convenience in their lives, they managed to really find their niche in different products and push those out. So you're talking about purpose, aren't you? You're talking about what's the purpose of some of these companies and how can they shape customer needs through what, how they see the world and how they want the world to be. Yeah. We should do a future podcast on, on purpose. I'd love to do that. Tom, what are our key takeaways? If we want to keep up with the vegans, what do we have to do? What all these companies have in common is that they allow for rapid changes to occur from within. They get in there quickly. They're nimble enough to pivot And they really turn listening into innovation. They use agile testing culture to constantly innovate. And we'd love to know what you think. So let us know what you think by getting in touch by email. That's becca.duncan at bgss.com or tom.silver, yes, that's the colour, at bgss.com. And if you've liked our podcast, please go and visit bgss.com forward slash business and be sure to subscribe. (laughs) 